0: Welcome to Dragon Talk. Dragon,
1: Dragon Talk. Dragon Talk. Oh wow! The, like, Zoom just popped up and it said playing music. Oh,
0: what?
1: did it, did it think my applause was musical?
0: It is. It's very musical. You're just like uh, singing hollow Notes songs.
1: I do feel like my general aura today is singing. Because it's fake spring outside, mm-hmm. and we have two really fun guests to talk to today.
0: We do indeed for this official Dungeons and Dragons podcast.
1: Yes, that's right,
0: musical that podcast mm-hmm. uh, in which yeah we're talking to Kelly Lynn D'Angelo, dungeon master, sometimes dungeon master of uh, of Girls Gets Glory, as well as player uh, and prolific writer. In many different mediums, honestly, yes. but in TV and musicals. Uh, and we got Mark Humes uh, from High Rollers, Knights of Evenstar, and just all around great, awesome person. Totally. Um, talking about their adventures in Candle Keep Mysteries.
1: Fun. I can't wait.
0: I can't wait either. Um, for those of you who don't know who we are, I'm Greg Tito. That's Shelly Mazenobel. I'm. I, mean, I honestly like it.
1: five years, six years of doing this. I feel like I'm getting worse <laughs> that I'm just like, no need to mention the name of the podcast or who the hosts are or that you should subscribe to this. Like, no, just I just get excited to see your face and I start talking.
0: And there's nothing wrong with that. That's exactly what is the best part about my week. Shelly Oh. Getting to
1: really
0: chat fun D&D stuff with you and talk to amazing people and tell everyone that they should subscribe to our channel uh, as well as follow along, uh, you know, and write reviews, get the word out about Dragon Talk. We don't often have that in the intro here, but it is something that is always important. Uh, yes. If you want to get more people listening to your podcast, uh, I'm told that this is yes. what you do. you, you make entreaties.
1: So that is important. You know what? Also, subscribing to this podcast means you don't have to go look for it. It just comes to There's you. And I love that. usually Wednesdays and Thursdays is when all my podcasts get uploaded. And I love getting those push notifications because it's just new, fresh content for me to uh, enjoy. Uh, so uh, don't uh, don't go uh, looking uh, for uh, us. Uh, just uh, uh, let us uh, come uh, to you.
2: Right. Push it real
0: good. Push notifications.
1: Musical version of Dragon Ball. Yeah, nice. But that
0: song, that has to play under the credits or during a fight scene, though. Okay, shall we? (laughs) We are very excited, uh, as we have said, for our amazing guests. Talking Candle Keep Mysteries. That is coming out on March 16th. It is chock full of adventures. 17, to be exact, of... Short, one-shot, easy to play. Uh, tons of writers contributed to them. Uh, and it is a real mixed bag of different genres and stories, uh, as well as uh, uh, amazing uh, voices uh, being heard and told, NPCs, monsters, all this great stuff. Um, and a little bit of mystery. You kind of have to figure <laughs> out what's going on in each one of them.
1: Yeah, and lots of different levels. There is something for everyone in here.
0: Yeah, not to mention some detail around Keep itself, which is a uh, legendary library fortress, and mm-hmm. we love libraries very much. We'll get to talk to them a little bit in our interview, uh, but why don't I just give a shout-out to the idea of libraries. Why not?
1: Libraries are great places, and they exist for you.
0: Yeah. Support uh, your
1: local library.
0: There are many of the places where people discover Dungeons and & Dragons and their love of fantasy and their love of reading and knowledge. I myself remember going to the library simply because that's where the D&D books were. I didn't have any at home, uh, or at least the uh, specific ones I like to look at, like you know deities and demigods and whatnot that were in the library. So I would just go in and just hope, beyond hope, that they were not checked out and I could go read them for an hour or two in the library.
1: I also remember, because I was a very avid reader, I would read several books a day. Um and my mom was and I'd read them over and over again because my mom just could not keep me stocked in in books fast enough and finally she was like I have an idea you should go to a library and uh, I just remember the feeling of like anything in here I can take with me like it's just such a novel weird concept to not have to like use your allowance money or beg your mom to take you to Kmart to buy more books um, <laughs> I could just buy go get whatever books I wanted and. Check them out and leave with them and then come back the next day and get all new ones. So I always have a warm, fuzzy feeling for libraries and, and all the great work that they do and librarians.
0: Shout out to that amazing, potentially accidental pud that you made where you're like, what a novel idea.
1: Oh, that wasn't accidental. <laughs> Actually, it totally was, but I'm gonna, I was going to try to take credit.
0: Yeah, no, that was totally yeah, deliberate.
1: Shit. yeah. Yeah, anyway. Anyway, libraries. Um you know what else is great? What? Horror.
0: Horror.
1: Yeah. Ravens. Scary. Slasher films.
0: Zombie Apocalypse.
1: Headless Horsemen.
0: Gothic Bag monsters. Men. Scarecrows. Mist. Puppets. You win. Ghosts. <laughs> <laughs> Come on, creepy dolls. Creep. Oh, damn
1: it. Creepy dolls that steal your body and your soul. <laughs> Momos. <laughs> Internet hoax. Is... Bagmen. I said
0: bagmen. Bagman. Bag men. Bag men. Bag men. <laughs> <laughs> Little You'll find out more about kremlin. all of these amazing topics and more in Van Richten's Guide to Ravenloft. Yeah. Mm-hmm. What? That comes what? out. What? May 18th, you'll be able to sink your vampire teeth into it. Um, So many wonderful Domains of Dread are detailed. More than 30 are described and mentioned, including their Dark Lords and what their shtick is all about. There's different genres for each one of these uh, Domains of Dread, as well as tons of information about uh, how to create your own domain and include horror... In your D&D games.
1: Even a little bit or a lot. It's kind of up to you. You can turn that dial as uh, low or high as as you and your party are comfortable with. But do not be af- afraid oh, intended, to add a little horror spice to your games. This isn't just like an all or nothing thing. There are plenty of elements in this book that you can just pluck out, drop in to whatever campaign you're already running and just just add a little extra flavor to it it's it's very versatile and i am so excited i have been kind of uh dropping little hints to lots of different people to try to get them to run a a game for me because i really just want to be a player in this one Mm -hmm. um not that i'm like sometimes
0: yeah You want to play in a horror campaign? (laughs) In a
1: horror game? With some
0: creepy singing from a child (laughs) in the background?
1: (laughs) That's actually, I think, a saw. I'm not actually even sure what's happening.
0: Oh, God. At first. Saw? Uh, Was it Saw 2 or Saw 4? There's
1: definitely some creepiness happening in the basement right now. (laughs) Um, (laughs) But I want to be Hexblood. I want to be a haggy little Haggerson. i have always
0: loved Haggerson's.
1: I've always loved Hags. I do. And um, I want dark gifts. I want. All the strings attached to them. I, want I just want to be dark chocolate gifts. Oh, I'll take whatever dark dark gifs,
0: <laughs> dark gifs as well. <laughs> they they're animated and they they dance and play with you. <laughs> uh, I know It's oh, so, so much, much. fun. Uh, that's not my genre of uh, choice for, for like the passive entertainment that I play. But I think I really want to like you. You know, experiment with getting into. Uh, that type of play around the table because I think that's, you know, it'd be a safe place and there's, again, all these tools to make sure it feels like everyone is on, on board with uh, the content and, yeah, get some creepiness going, get some adrenaline pumping. Yeah, definitely.
1: I think I, I think I might have a dungeon master on the hook, but uh, we'll see. Someone I live
0: with. Quinn is going to do it, isn't he? He He's loves dumb. He does love horror.
1: He loves Pennywise. He loves Goosebumps. He was really into Scooby Doo.
0: So yeah, well, I mean, and that's, I, I love that you mentioned too, because you're right. You can dial it down as far as Goosebumps or Scooby Doo, as 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 far as terror goes, or you can go the full on, you know, body horror and all these kinds of uh, genres uh, that you know have been around in R-rated movies for years. So it's uh, a, a big gamut as well as so many different flavors of uh you know cultures and things in this because everybody uh in in the world has different uh legends and myths that they can draw upon uh and creepy stories that they can uh uh, bring forth and i'm hoping that this uh book in addition to you know bringing gothic horror of barovia and strahd uh, to more, you know, in, in more detail, we get all these other great domains of dread uh, coming out there, um, which we'll be previewing a bunch going forward. But uh, there's there's a wealth of really cool stuff there from a lot of really great contributors mm-hmm. to the horror genre.
1: Yep, yep. So lots more to to come on that. I cannot wait to have uh, Wes be a guest. Yes, on a Dragon Wes Pause. Schneider
0: has been leading the charge on this book. Uh, and uh, he has taught me more than ever that you have to accentuate horror when you say it.
1: <laughs> yeah, that's why I tried to. I tried to do that.
0: He's, he's very good at it. Horror. Horror.
1: Scary stuff.
0: There you go. Well, you that's just it. call it that. So it, it alliterates.
1: Uh, yep. 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 So sweet. Anyway. So those two
0: amazing uh, things are coming very soon. Uh, you know, like we said, May eighteenth for van Richten's guide to ravenloft but march 16th which is only a little bit away you'll be able to get your hands on candle keep mysteries uh and i can't wait to get to our interview with mark and kelly but before that we have an amazing segment for you to listen to Welcome to another Random Character Generator. I am Greg Tito, and I have Brandy Camel joining. Hi, Brandy.
3: Hi, Greg. How are you today?
0: Pretty good. I'm excited to roll some dice and create a random character. We do that using D&D Beyond's amazing character building tool. We're going to start with a third-level character, see what happens, and then Brandy and I will make up a backstory uh, as well as character details based on the numbers and choices that this randomizer spits out. They're not always optimal, but that's part of what makes it fun uh, to create this character. So are you ready, Brandy?
3: I'm absolutely ready. Honestly, I kind of, I, I secretly always hope for the non-optimized ones because I find them to be fun mental exercises.
0: Absolutely, yeah. They are, end up being the ones that you write home about. Uh, and here we have an oh, interesting. interesting character, Eludar Eluder. Eludar, Eluder, 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 Eludur. which uh, makes you know it sounds like Eleanor at least to me a little bit. So maybe mm-hmm. this is a a, a, a female presenting half orc fighter. Yes, half orc fighter.
3: What's mark of finding? I
0: don't know what mark of finding is.
3: I, it feels like an Eberron thing.
0: Gunslinger. Yes, it's a it's a gunslinger. Oh no! So yeah. Oh. Okay. Oh, the market finding. Yes, that would be a an Eberon. Is that, uh, that
3: Eberron? Okay,
0: that makes total sense. So, so looking at the stats here.
3: <laughs> I just- Wow, we're, we're a little all over it. We're actually kind of middle of the road, to be honest. Yeah,
0: I guess at the end they get better, but it's a fighter who's got a nine strength. Uh, <laughs> so that was what made me laugh at first with a negative one modifier.
3: But, you know, it, it's, a, it's a gunslinger, so I think we can work with that.
0: <laughs> yeah, the dexterity's not too bad with a, with a 12 and a plus one. Uh, and then, yeah, constitution, intelligence, wisdom, and charisma, all plus one. Intelligence is the only one that's plus two. Uh, mm-hmm. with a 15 score there. So yeah, definitely leaning hard into the, the more mental statistics for yeah. a fighter, which is not not common, we'll say Not that. too
3: common. Maybe this is, this is already speaking to be as like your strategist, right?
0: Oh yeah, that's a real good way to think about it, like the one who's uh, calling the shots on the battlefield.
3: Mm-hmm.
0: All right. So half-orc uh, and in the world of Eberron, or at least uh, using a dragon mark that is from there, Mm-hmm. uh skills wise they've got uh deception okay. trained uh, with uh, only a plus three modifier as well as in, very leaning hard into the charisma based skills here because there's yeah. intimidation
3: mm-hmm.
0: and performance uh, all with a plus three modifier as being trained and then perception uh, with a uh, with a wisdom score giving it also a plus three so okay. Okay, yeah, you could see this being a leader type character, or at least someone who is the face, perhaps
3: hmm yeah, I could see this being a face type character. I could see this uh the high perception's really nice because that gives you something with um like like a lookout position or maybe even like a sniper um somebody who's uh taking the time and really studying the battlefield and determining where to go from there,
0: yeah, um. We said that it was a gunslinger, and it is. Uh, mm-hmm. So in the fighter choices of fighting style here, uh, they adopted archery, so mm-hmm. that's good. It gives them a little bit of a bonus to their attacks, uh, although we don't get that recognized here because equipment doesn't show up right, uh, right. when we do this yet. So. But it, it would be around the you know pretty good stats for a, for a third-level character to get like a plus 6 or a plus 7
1: mm-hmm. to their
0: attack rolls.
1: Yeah,
3: that's not
0: too um, bad at all. Looking up the gunslinger to get a little bit more uh, about that.
3: Mm-hmm. All right, the gunslinger I believe is is unofficial content. This is a, a homebrew.
0: Yeah, this was from option. Critical Role. Um, mm-hmm. From uh, so it's mixing uh, both the. Uh, Wildmount and Eberron uh, materials here to create this character, which is pretty interesting.
3: I think that's happened to us a couple of times before.
0: <laughs> yeah. It always throws us for a loop, too, because you're like, this is a melding of, of different worlds, but that's part of what makes this fun. Yeah, so uh, they also have uh, Hunter's Intuition, as well as Finder's Magic.
3: Okay. Oh, that hunter's intuition is really interesting and plays nicely with the, with the fact that they're already trained in perception.
0: Right. Yeah, giving them a bonus to uh, those, a D4 bonus, uh, mm-hmm. which is fantastic. And then finder's magic, uh, which is part of the mark of finding uh, from Eberron, basically gives them a hunter's mark that they can use once per long rest, which is, which is nice. That's usually a, a, a ranger's, you know, in the ranger's toolbox.
3: That's kind of cool. I could also see this character going in the direction of um, you know, being maybe like a bounty hunter style character. That Oh,
0: might be yeah. Uh, and the background is also one uh that is very oh, yeah. interesting. A grinner.
3: I am actually really familiar with this, because <laughs> my character in my Wild Mount campaign is uh is on the path to becoming a grinner. So <laughs>
0: That's awesome. So, yeah, tell, tell us a little bit about what that is.
3: So, um, this is a, kind of a really cool sort of underground group of um, troubadours mostly and wanderers and travelers and things like that. Uh, so, they, they more often than not tend to be bards, but not always. Um And uh, it's it's one of those things where uh, they are a group who's always kind of looking looking out for one another, looking out for the little guy, trying to find ways to kind of subvert some of the more like oppressive uh, stations out there and uh, and bring help to those who need it. So it's a it's a very it's a goodly kind of underground, Um, but it is definitely like a little bit a little bit more like the, the underground rebellion style. organization
0: got it yeah so that is pretty fascinating uh and yeah how do you think that would work with the you know gunslinger kind of leader face role that we're talking about here
3: what's really funny to me is that this is basically like a half work han solo in my mind Mm. right this this could totally be the the smuggler with the heart of gold style character because they're a, they're a quick talker, they've got that deception going, they've got intimidation going, so maybe they know how to you know talk brass tacks when it comes down to it. Um, the performance can be can totally tie into this whole underground troubadour, like part of the the grinning um, or the golden grin faction. So there's a there's a lot going on there that actually ties together really nicely.
0: Yeah, I like the idea of uh, 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 eluder. El- 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 being, uh, you know, a bit of a showman with uh, how she shoots the guns, you know, being able mm-hmm. to do some trick shots and uh, reminds me a little bit of, uh, I don't know, Back to the Future Part 3 when Marty McFly's <laughs> got his like, oh, I, can, I am actually way better oh, at this yeah. than, than you think I am uh, type of stuff. And I feel like she could play on that a lot.
3: Totally. Yeah. I think that 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 I think blends in really well. It's a combination of performance and also just kind of showing off in a way that that gives you status in an organization. Right.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Uh, Not a lot of gunslingers, though, perform in in taverns and things like that. So (laughs) this would definitely be much more of a carnival or like outdoor performance spaces that they would be in. Right.
3: Yeah. Carnival or circus was kind of where I was first going. Yeah, me Um, too. I think that, that that meshes pretty well. Uh, could, could also be um, actually the type of troop that travels from empire to empire and performs for nobility or performs for, uh, you know, maybe oh. maybe performs for kings and queens and things like that.
0: And that could be a great cover, uh, mm-hmm. too, so that they're actually doing a lot more than just uh, performing for these courts. They are infiltrating them and being spies, uh, for uh, for for whoever pays top dollar.
3: Okay, I'm I'm gonna lose it here because I just noticed. Did you look at the tools proficiency? Yes,
0: yes. <laughs>
3: Bagpipes. What? Bagpipes. Perfect. Perfect. This is this is a boisterous character. Because you have to be <laughs> you have to be to be master of bagpipes as well as like, you know, being the type of person who wields one of the loudest weapons in Exandria, you know, if you're if you're going to be throwing around guns and, <laughs> and bagpipes, there's no way this is a quiet character.
0: No. Uh it is it's almost it's horrifying. <laughs> <laughs> You know, you see, you hear that like the bagpipes calling, and you know that uh, uh, Elidor and her uh, band of troubadours is coming for you.
3: Oh, that's amazing!
0: <laughs> that's super cool. Yeah, and so languages uh, common in Goblin. Why do you, why do you think Elidor might know Goblin?
3: Um. There's prob there's a couple of reasons. Um I think goblin's pretty common especially in like the Dwendalian Empire. So if this is, you know, if this is a character who's from the world of Exandria, uh is a wild mount oriented character, um probably someone who roams the countryside in the Dwindalian Empire would fit really well. Just as uh fits just as well in Jorhas too. Um because Jorhas is also like highly populated with a variety of different monster races. So um Goblin, I think, is just a good call. Kind of, no matter where you're at in Wild Mount,
0: that makes sense. Do you think so? Yeah. Since this combines stuff from Wild Mount as well as from Eberron, where would you think that this character uh, hails from, or or are they? Do they travel the planes? Do they go back and forth between these two worlds, and even to our, you know, uh, material plane?
3: You know, I could kind of see it either way. Maybe this is somebody who was—I'm um, getting kind of planeswalkery with this concept, but—but um, but maybe this is somebody who was dropped off from the world of Eberron into the world of Critical Role, right? Mm. Um, maybe they they started in Eberron or or you know was born in Eberron, but at a very early age uh, migrated to Exandria for whatever reason. Maybe maybe it was an accident. Maybe it was intentional. Uh, could be that they were taking refuge. I know dragon marks are, so for, you know, um, totally correct me on this because for me, Eberron's one of the worlds I know a little bit less about. But Mm -hmm. um, I know dragon marks are very prized and very highly sought after. So perhaps this was someone who ended up with a dragon mark that wasn't supposed to or was in grave danger as a result of inheriting this dragon mark.
0: Yeah, that makes sense. And then perhaps were drawn into a ritual or a spell or a teleportation circle that was supposed to do one thing but ended up going awry and putting them in uh, Taldorai instead or in Wild Mountain instead.
3: Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's totally, totally an option I could see here. I could actually see a really cool arc happening for this character uh, with this whole finder's magic tied in where maybe maybe what they're trying to find is their way home.
0: Yes! Yeah, I, was just, I had that exact same leap as soon as you started talking. I'm like, oh, this is like Voyager. Like This is like, they, got, they got real far away and then now they're in just trying to get back. Mm-hmm. I love that. Okay, so what does uh look like? What do you think uh, her appearance is uh, while wow, she's here in Wild Mount?
3: Oh, well, let's see. Um, she's probably a little bit thinner than you might expect for a half-orc, um, especially with that low-strength coming into play. Um, you know this isn't this isn't your typical ripped half work kind of character maybe the, maybe she's a little bit more live, uh, especially you know being a, a gunslinger needs to be able to, to you know do fancy shots and things like that. Um, I think that that could be a really cool look for her. Uh, if she's got longer hair then she probably keeps it pulled back and out of her face mm. um, or or keeps a hat to, to keep it tucked under. You could almost go like that Annie Oakley style of thing with like a bun tucked underneath a wide brimmed hat
0: yep i was I was totally thinking uh uh I'm blanking on the name of the character from Red Dead redemption too, but mm. that, uh, mm-hmm. that ends up being a wonderful you know gunslinger uh you know despite where she came from so yeah that that'd be great I, Annie Oakley Annie get your gun that's what I was thinking too, yeah so. Yeah, This has got a
3: cowboy-esque feel to it, I think. It really does. It does yeah. have kind of a cowboy-esque feel to it. Uh, something, something about giving half works a Western accent, I think, just happens in the world of critical role.
0: Uh- <laughs> <laughs> so we're staying true. I love that. Mm-hmm.
3: Yep, absolutely.
0: Uh, excellent. All right. Well, I mean, I think this, uh, eldor came together pretty, pretty easily here. I, I, I think we're, we're ready for, for summarization. Did you, was there any other parts of this that you wanted to make sure we talked through?
3: Honestly, I think I think we hit all the major notes. We have a really well fleshed out character. I think everything just kind of landed in place through serendipity. You know. Yeah.
0: All right. So, uh, uh, Ellidor is a half orc fighter uh, trained in uh, archery or ranged combat because of their gunslinging uh, skills. They're also uh, proficient with firearms and uh, you know general fighting skills, but that's not where their strengths lie. Uh, Elodor is all about um, performance and being the face of a perhaps uh, nefarious organization, at least one that is able to infiltrate into high places and entertain, but maybe also get some secrets uh, that they can peddle and attempt to uh, get even more resources because Elidor's ultimate goal is trying to get back to her homeworld. Get back to Eberron, and she may be trapped in Wildbound and uh, joining the, uh, the the Grinners uh, in order as a, as a means to an end. More than anything else, she also has a dragon mark, uh, which allows her to um, focus fire on specific bad guys, but also find stuff that is necessary, which uh, gets into what she's uh, trying to uh, try to do, which is get back to uh, to her homeland. Uh, as far as appearance goes, she looks uh, like a, a thin, lithe, uh, perhaps tall um, figure. Uh, hair up in a bun behind a wide-brimmed hat. Uh, no nonsense, uh, but is quick to laugh, especially when she brings out her bagpipes as a as a threat uh or a warning uh to those around her and perhaps uh, her companions and compatriots uh roll their eyes every time they start hearing her her bagpipe playing <laughs> and she's got a really uh kind of a western drawl in how she speaks uh leaning into the cowgirl uh kind of motif we're going with here
3: oh definitely
0: yeah. You- she's,
3: she she's got it. She's got to have the y'all and the, you know, ha- how y'all doing today? That you know, real real kind of southern southern happy drawl.
0: Y'all got some sand to be talking to us this way. <laughs> yeah, I like that a lot. Uh so yeah, that's Elager. Uh she is a really fun character. I looking at the negative one uh strength, I was like not sure this was going to be something that was going to be playable, but I think this ends up with uh, something that has some really good hooks that you could use if you were going to uh, use her as an NPC or, or play her in your games.
3: Absolutely, I think that she could be a really good option for the brains of the outfit for like a you know a hidden cell of golden grinners or or things of that nature.
0: Yeah, being able to uh, intimidate and uh, uh, you know run a good show with a performance and, and deception as well is is going to make her uh, very good at being the face of any one of those pseudo-illegal organizations. <laughs> that ends up in high places. I think that's also really key. Like she uses that, yeah. that kind of uh, uh, demeanor uh, to go in places above her station. Definitely. So cool. Awesome. Well, that's Elidur. Thank you so much, Brandy, for uh, talking through this character with me. Uh, we'll put this, uh, a link to this character in the show notes, so if you're uh, interested in finding out uh, what all of this means and perhaps using Elidur in your games, here's the opportunity to do so.
3: Awesome. Thanks so much for having me, Greg.
0: Yeah, no problem. And Brandy, uh, if people have uh, any stories about using Elidur in their games, how could they uh, tag you and let you know?
3: Definitely the best place to find me is on Twitter at D A Y N T E E, dainty.
0: Excellent. And uh, throw me a tag in there too at Greg Tito. And I'd love to hear about using Eleander in your Wild Mount, Eberron, or other seted games.
3: <laughs> She's so cool. I, honestly, I'm trying to find ways already mentally to use her. <laughs> I know, right?
0: I want to be her. Also, <laughs> I like to play it too. <laughs> so fun. An interesting, fun, amazing character. Brandy and I were able to put together. Oh.
1: You guys have just too much fun together, don't
0: you? You need to stop. It's like a wag of the finger you just had with that tone of voice.
1: Mm-mm-mm. Yes, Mm-mm-mm. too Mm-mm-mm. much fun going on there.
0: All right, we will dial down the fun. We're going to have a sad slash horror themed.
1: Uh, <laughs> you need <laughs> to create some generator. sad, miserable, boring characters. Mm. Okay. Mm. Hey, I'm your character. <laughs> Where do you want to go today? <laughs>
0: <laughs> well, you say boring, but I'm intrigued. I want to learn more. <laughs> <laughs> I'm
1: ready for adventure.
0: Why are you so oh. sad, you're McGee?
1: I'm not. Just whatever. Let's just go.
0: All right. Maybe we can kill some monsters. Yeah, I guess.
1: That's how we should do random character generator. From yeah, you guys can do your own little digitally thing. I'm gonna create real ones
0: with your voice
1: with my voice because I'm a voice talent
0: (laughs) (laughs) and I won't take no for an answer.
1: I never did my new voice for you.
0: What's your new voice? Well, okay, let's do it in the outro, we'll save it for the outro.
1: I know, okay.
0: You're going to have to listen to this amazing interview with Kelly and Mark and then come back for Shelly's new voice. Welcome to Dragon Talk. Mark Humes and Kelly Lynn D'Angelo.
4: Hi, you two. Hello. Hello, hello. Thanks for having me.
0: So excited for having both of you here. Uh, I can't believe I think the last time we were all in the same place was at D&D Live 2019, right?
2: Oh my
4: god.
2: Five hundred like- years before yes. we met in the Favoured Lands. Yeah, What's pretty much.
4: Like? Literally we went to hell and then we went to a new
2: version. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yep.
4: And I liked D D hell better.
1: <laughs> <laughs> <Me too.
2: laughs> very much so. Very much so.
1: very It's
0: been eighty-four years. It uh, feels like
4: it, doesn't it?
0: Oh yeah, it really does. Time
4: differently, um, like time moves differently. It really yeah. does in those planes. <laughs> Look at this.
0: <laughs> yeah. The pestilence yeah. plane. Definitely. Uh, well, both speaking of, you of
4: time, yes.
0: Are uh, here because you've spent a lot of time working on Dungeons and Dragons <laughs> products, uh, especially *Cato Keep Mysteries, which is coming out this month, March 16th. Both of you have adventures uh that you authored in that book and we're really excited to learn more about that of course you know reminisce about uh uh, shows gone past as well as when we'll get together (laughs) again in the future but i'm just really excited about these one-shot adventures uh so uh kelly let's start with you can you give us like a quick like run through of what your adventure is about without spoiling the mystery if you can
4: yeah, I'll just say, okay, so my one chat adventure is uh, it's called The Lore of LaRue. It is an enchanted book uh, that maybe takes you on a quest that is in regards to both lore and the history of the Forgotten Realms. You get sucked into it. You go through this really epic adventure through the high forest, um, and I think... I don't want to give away too much. I'm trying to think of what else to kind of say around these corners. But if you really love magic and if you love mystery, if you love um, putting together the pieces of puzzle work, not just in the story, but in, in the sort of fabric of forgotten realms and maybe the fabric of history in, in the high forest itself, definitely check it out. It's a very fun and magical journey.
0: I love that. What is, what is LaRue? Can you tell us what LaRue is or is that part of yes. the, the mystery?
4: I, I think, so LaRue is a unicorn goddess. You're going to tell. It's it's very clear because <laughs> if you even look at the book, like there's a big old unicorn that's all glittery on it. So um, <laughs> uh, you'll know right away when you see it that it has something to do maybe with something magical or something sort of um some sort of enchantment is happening, so the mystery begins with that question, which is, "Who is she? What's going on? And how can we get to the root of the sort of discord that's happening within the high forest?" So, little hint on that.
0: That's super okay. cool.
4: What I, level is yours? Uh, level like eight-ish, I would say. Okay. Or you wanted to, you know, stick at level six, maybe to level eight. You kind of want them around that that group.
0: Perfect. My, I, I have just a weird personal connection because we one of the pet names I have for my daughter is Larue, uh, because we used to call We call her Fee, you know, Fiona is her name. We call her Fifi, and then for some reason, Fifi Larue was Fifi what we LaRue called her.
1: Is a great name.
0: I think she came out uh, very red faced, and so we were like, "Oh, she's you know Fifi Larue," and so it's been shortened to Larue. And so every single time I think of that adventure uh, that you wrote, I'm like, "Huh, maybe this has got Fiona's name all over it."
4: adorable i love that accidental blessing there i i, I wrote it for her in mind i definitely knew all of
0: that. <laughs> she loves unicorns so it's perfect
1: oh my god and fifi <laughs> larue fit. is a great D character name by the way
2: that is so. yeah very true i get halfling vibes from fifi larue i don't know uh, why yeah.
4: yeah i get i get kiki palmer meets halfling vibes <laughs> so somewhere in that mix and i want it
2: yeah i love that i
0: love that yes.
1: Inspired. (laughs)
0: Uh, So, I want to. We'll definitely ask more about all that fun stuff. Uh, But, Mark, what is going on with your adventure for Candlekeep Mysteries?
2: Okay, so mine. It's kind of funny because mine is also based around a a bit of an enchanted book, as I'm sure many of the adventures are. Mine is called The Price of Beauty, uh, and it's a little bit of a kind of sidestep from your typical D and D adventure. Um, It starts off uh, about trying to track down a lost acolyte in Candlekeep who's bit having a bit of a rough time. Um, And then you discover the price of beauty and that will lead you to a magical day spa where your characters can enjoy a little bit of a break and maybe take on some fun activities and explore uh, the Temple of the Restful Lily, which is a magical day spa to Suni. And then maybe you'll discover that things aren't quite what they appear to be. And there's maybe something a little bit more sinister going on. And then that is where the whole mystery comes in. And I don't want to say another word because it will give away the whole thing at the day spa. So... is yeah, this it's, based it's,
1: on real life at all because I want to know <laughs> what kind of spas you're visiting.
2: Listen, I couldn't possibly say. So, <laughs> I'd, uh, I'd, I'd uh, I, I, I definitely I want to go back to that spa sometime. So I couldn't possibly uh, talk about that. No, I'm joking. Uh, <laughs> it's uh, it's meant to be a kind of a good, you know, like a filler episode kind of adventure where, like, maybe you're, you know, your heroes have been off saving water deep or doing going through dungeons, and then oh look, a magical book that takes you to a magical day spa. Oh no! Bad things are happening, <laughs> and then that's you the got to be careful. You know, yeah, usually exactly.
1: at at the spas that I used to go to back in in the before times, it was only like copy <laughs> like three year old issues of People magazine and Us Weekly, <laughs> so. You got to be careful what what you pick up at these.
2: Exactly, spots. very much so. so. Very much I so. I
1: love it. And that is a a, a level 5ish. That is remember? a fifth
2: level adventure, yes. Yeah. So it's kind of in the same bracket, but I I wrote it with fifth level more in mind, so the the monsters and, and everything else are all tailored around that. So
1: So I, I don't know if you're aware of this, but um, people oh, a small group of people will get to preview that adventure at uh, virtual play weekends that are happening yes. in March. Did you know I that? did
2: hear about this. So yeah. I, I only recently found out about this, but yeah, I saw that my adventure was one of the ones that people could play at the virtual weekend. Um, and it's also, uh, there's a current There's a current thing in the UK for comic relief, where people can win an adventure run by me at a castle, a real castle here in the mm-hmm. UK when it's safe. Uh, and that's all in partnership with Comic Relief. But yeah, the Virtual Play Weekend. I'm very interested to see what people think of it from there because I do think it is a bit of a different take on a D and D adventure. So I'm kind of interested to see how people respond to it. So
1: yeah, that's what I love. Like one of the many things that I love about this book is that they're they're so different.
2: Mm-hmm. All
1: of the um, so many questions I have, but, <laughs> but okay, I'm just going to start rattling some off here. Go for it. Did you and the co- other contributors uh, work together? at all on your adventure or were you all pretty siloed in how you did this?
4: Um, I, I can speak from my personal experience. It was, it was definitely intimately done in terms of like me doing a lot of the work and having the support of the d d staff, spe- specifically Christopher Perkins. Um, but I didn't, I didn't know who else was collaborating yep. at the time. And <laughs> oh, so, wow. I was just like, like kind of like, Ooh, who, who else did they reach out to who? And, and you know, slowly, but surely, I think we, we found out one by one or by like a, an email or like just from word of mouth or something. So
2: yeah i was gonna say the same thing because i remember when the the book got announced and all the big list of of creators got announced i suddenly had dms from kelly and amy and a bunch of other people that i know that worked on it saying you worked on this book too oh my god and we were just kind of like talking about it and like you know saying like oh my adventure's fifth level and you know blah blah blah. we were kind of talking to each other about it um but yeah i mainly i spoke with bill benham uh who was like my contact uh from wizards and we were kind of going back and forward on the adventure but yeah i i I didn't know who else was working on it (laughs) it would would have uh I would have loved to have kind of picked some brains but um no i didn't didn't know oh, that's, that's a hard part cool. in in developing when you have so many voices going
0: on at the same time and having it all yeah. funnel up to chris is always great but at the same time uh we we would be talking to contributors who are working on uh say rhyme of the frost maiden they end up creating their own little like you know whisper networks of trying to figure out like oh hey how does this uh you know uh fit in with with the thing that you're working on and it ends up being this great almost like a dnd party everybody coming together mm. and collaborating mm. Um, so yeah, going forward, we should totally make sure that's easier for everyone to to talk amongst themselves. There was
4: definitely a funny moment where, like, I in the DMs, I was like, "Did you have? Did you also struggle with the map?" And everyone was like, "Yes, the map." And it was, was just like that that was a, was a beautiful thing.
2: It was a yeah. beautiful
4: moment just to be like, oh, the camaraderie of like us all trying to create the appropriate maps."
0: Yeah, <laughs> and that's a really interesting point because I think you know you two definitely come from the. Uh, performative aspect of, of of Dungeons and Dragons, right? You know, you certainly play in your home games, but a lot of uh, you know what people know you for. You know, uh, Kelly as DM for for Girls Guts Glory and, and Mark all of your work with um, uh, high rollers uh, and and on all that stuff, as well as Knights of Evenstar. star um, Star. So, you, like, yeah, you don't when you're preparing for those things, you may not think about maps because it's not a visual medium, right? The visual is everyone's faces. Uh, so yeah, how was it being like writing's thing that's not just notes and making sure that the DMs who are reading this uh, will have the visualization that's, that's in your head? Uh, you know, uh, Mark, yeah, let's start with you.
2: Yeah, well, for, for me, it's, it was a little bit different because uh, we do use maps and every now and then with, like, high rollers, like either physical maps or, you know, we'll do digital maps and things. So I, I was one of the few people in this group conversation who was just like, I kind of was okay with the map. That was the least scary part <laughs> for me. It was the actually writing stuff that I thought people would find fun and uh, find enjoyable bit mm. that I was worried about. Um, But it was definitely, when I write my games... My notes, and I don't know if Kelly's the same for you, my notes are a mess of just bullet points. It will just be like one word, bullet point, one word, bullet points. And then I run everything from there. And because I know my players so well, we've been playing for such a long time. I know the stuff they like. I know what they're going to enjoy. I know how I can kind of trick them into doing things or not doing things. But writing this adventure was the first time I had to kind of go through it. And I, I found myself constantly going back and rereading it and saying, does this make sense? Would somebody kind of get that this character is, you know, how this relates to this? And I I re- that was one thing I really struggled with, was making sure it was readable to other DMs. Um, and I was really grateful that, yeah, Bill and Chris were there to kind of give that feedback. So I think that that was the big thing that I needed a lot of the help with, really.
4: Yeah. And on, on my side of things, I, I work, I we have a lot of maps, but they're all pre-created maps. Like um, I have tabletop maps and I have um, a lot of beautiful digital maps that are animated and move. You know, I'm a big techie. Like I love... I love technology, Um, surprisingly, (laughs) even though Mark has, like, the coolest setup. um, I need to get on that side of technology more so in terms of streaming and such. But in terms of implementing it into my D&D gameplay, um, that's usually what I do. So having to get, like, artistically creative, it is a skill set that every time I see it, like you should have seen me in ninth grade when I had to take a prerequisite for like art. Like I literally like walked in the door and then turned around and walked out and like walked back in the door. I was like, okay, I can do this for one semester. <laughs> um, like art for me is so, it, my brain doesn't really wrap around it easily. And when I, when I try to do something, I like to execute it like, really, really well, so art is that quarter where I'm just like, oh, no, this is going to show how much of a noob I am in all things artistic, Um, which was true, and it did, Um, (laughs) but I, you know, I took it all in grace, and I refined my map skills in terms of, like, setting up the design of the map and articulating, like, and finding actually really, really good um, programs where you can build on your own and kind of design. It can help you create the boxes. Oh, or it yeah. can help you, like, you know, make the trees. Like, again, uh, childlike skills. So I had to kind of utilize my creative elements to make it look clean, yet also good enough for Dungeons & Dragons. <laughs> <laughs> I am
1: shocked that you guys had to do this much on, your, on the maps, though. Like, I would have thought that, like, you would have just like put a, a bulleted list together and be like, there's some trees in the upper left and <laughs> probably a school down here. Like you actually had to do well, more of that design. I
2: part. know for me is I had like a really strong visual idea of how I wanted the day spa to be laid out. because The location was such an important part of my adventure that that was the very first thing I did is I sat down and I sketched out and it was like on a A piece of paper that I'd found near my desk and I just sketched out a really rough kind of outline of everything and where I thought things should go and then from there I was like okay I've got you know these many rooms I want to have a treatment room I want to have a pool I want to have this I want to have that how can I then what mechanics or fun things can I write in to make those fun so for me like that was where I started and then that was like the easiest thing to develop from. And then I just did like a nicer version with the programs Kelly mentioned that because I can't draw to save my life. I was never going to be able to do that. But luckily, there's a lot of marvelous programs out there that you can use and they'll do all the kind of actual artistic skill for you. I just needed the layout lockdown. And then once I had that, that was easier to step forward on.
4: Yeah. I, I was just like, Oh world, all world characters, like completely going from that angle of my storytelling. And I love, you know, I'm a big sandbox believer, like laying things up and things are moving, but you can have fun and let your, let your characters go where they will. And that was actually a difficult thing for me. Cause I was like, well, you can't sandbox here. You gotta, you gotta get specific. You gotta tell your one shot adventure. You gotta like navigate that story in a way where it's like, yeah, we have these maps and I have these locations and these things are all happening. So when they occur, when they walk into it, great, pull up those materials and let's go. This is much more narratively driven. So uh, my maps for me were kind of like the very end and the sort of like, like firming up of like, okay, this and then this and then this. (laughs) Wow.
1: That's a yeah. I I would feel the same the same way. I'm I'm anxious hearing you talk about. <laughs>
0: <laughs> yeah, for me, the visual of where things are laid out is where storytelling, at least in D anD D, comes from for me. Like it doesn't need to be uh, pretty, and it often isn't. But yeah, I'd like you. I have to lean on those online tools, and then I'm like, oh yeah, take someone else's trees and put them in there, and then all of a yeah. sudden it's like, oh great, that works gr- wonderfully. Um, and uh, so yeah, that's really cool to be able to come from. You know, uh, uh, transferring something from paper to uh, what is going to end up being in print f- in, in play for, for, you know, thousands of fans uh, potentially on March 16th is, is got to be really gratifying, right? Yeah.
2: Terrifying, but gratifying. Yes. <laughs> Terrifying, but gratifying um, for sure. Yeah, absolutely.
1: <laughs> yeah. It's, I mean, I guess the, the because the two of you have spent so much time in front of the camera performing, like, as, you know, Greg said, very well known dungeon masters for, you know, very popular. Gaming groups. This is like. Does this feel like a whole new level of uh, nerves that you're tapping into? Because now it's it's your writing that's that's getting put out there.
4: Is it? I'll let Mark take it. Yeah, from- was, Mark, Mark's say- nodding. Mark's nodding. Mark's nodding. And-
2: yes, yeah, yes, it is. For me, this is. <laughs> It's one of the most incredible things I've been, you know, able to do as part of the D&D community and being, you know, involved in in the industry and and doing all these live streams. This is the most terrifying thing I've done. Like, put me on stage in front of 20,000 people on Twitch. No problem. Honestly, fine. Write something that other people are going to play and use and judge from a kind of skill level. That terrifies me mm. <laughs> that that really uh, it, I'm very anxious about it and especially the adventure I've written is a little bit different and you know it, it you know tackles a couple of themes that aren't traditional d and d things uh, yeah there's definitely a little bit of, of fear with that. Um, I'd much rather, you know, I could get up there and play naked with uh, Chris Perkins and I'd be, I'd prefer that in a way. <laughs> you know, I'd I'd rather that because that's the stage persona can take on that. This is very much uh, uh, an internal Mark thing. So, yeah, I'm very scary. <laughs> I don't yeah. know how you feel, Kelly. I
4: mean, last year, I think there was a lot of pressure. And I put, I was putting pressure on myself in, in a unique way because I am a I am a storyteller and a professional writer. So my experience comes like with, with putting a pen to paper, easy, got it, can deliver, can tell a story, can describe things, can do things that I know people will enjoy because I have exercised that skill for 10 years now. Um, however, in terms of the sort of like, moving from being a DM and having fun with friends and being able to kind of translate that into a professional arena, which has been amazing um, to take that to the next skill and then actualize that in written word for me is always like the penultimate sort of like, like it's just a big responsibility. And so I was not just thinking of myself while I was approaching it. I was thinking of all the other doors that were opening for people. And that's where my anxiety came from. It came from, oh my gosh, this is such a great opportunity. What can I do to build bridges and make magic? So, so that's, that was weird. And think, And you know, it's so funny because I, if you had asked me a year ago, are you anxious? Are you this? I would have said yes, but I've spent the last year in a lot of therapy. Everybody therapy is great. <laughs> nice. And, and anxiety, if you can work on it, you know, and build from it, it can be a, you can live with it. You can learn. So I'm, that's where I'm coming from on that. Cause it's like, I'm actually really excited. Um, nervous a little bit. Yes, but more excited.
0: <laughs> well, and that's, I think that's a really important for for people to hear, right? Like because, you know, you might look from the outside looking in, you two might seem like you've got it made, right? Like mm-hmm. all these, you know, I'm on these shows, I'm in the in cameras, I'm you know everything is great, and then I don't think people realize how, uh, you know, nerve wracking it can be to switch mediums or to just do something that's outside of of any type of comfort zone whatsoever um that's yeah. you know that's that's hard i mean you see it in i mean you see it in sports with you know michael jordan trying baseball and you know uh, uh, uh you know people who are uh known for being actors trying to do music and vice versa yeah. and 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 expanding out there and i think it's really important to realize that that challenge is is what makes us human it's why our D characters are the way they are
2: and yeah. they're doing it too and and um it's okay to strive right yeah yeah uh, it's kind of a semi-little uh, just addendum to it, but when I got the email from Chris and Bill that was like, hey, we'd like you to work on this, I actually replied back and said, have you guys sent this to the wrong person? Are you sure this was meant for me? Because I, I genuinely, you know, it's, it's you know, being a DM on, on, on stream for your group of friends is a very, very different thing to writing mm-hmm. a published d d adventure. And I genuinely was like, oh maybe they've I think they've sent this to the wrong person and then yeah luckily I had Bill and Chris come back and say like no we we did mean to send it to you Um, oh you're not Mark Holmes oh Oh, no we've sent it this was meant for Matt Matt
0: Holmes (laughs) and I'm like "Uh, okay yeah no worries So, yeah. That's literally <laughs> imposter syndrome, too, right? Like, that's oh, you're yeah. like, oh, wait, no, I'm not the right person. You're thinking of someone else.
4: <laughs> Sounds and cool
1: for
0: I Mike always, Holmes. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, exactly. I Very will always so. remember, uh, you know, Mr. Mercer saying that when we did a, one of our biggest events uh, in Seattle for the stream of Annihilation. He was like, this is the largest concentration of people with imposter syndrome in one place.
2: <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And it was. It really was. <laughs> yeah.
0: <laughs> all of us were like i can't believe this is happening uh and you I know i shouldn't and, and be here why, like why am i years ago and it's still <laughs> people still feel that way you know about about where their places are in in you know just this industry as well as uh in in show business in general uh and you know kelly you were talking about how uh amazing it was that you know you're getting a lot of uh things going on like can you talk a little bit about what it's been like to go on that 10-year jersey journey and you know, get the uh, sorry the musical getting the notoriety it has, <laughs> yeah. and all the amazing stuff that's going alongside of your your RPG career here.
4: It's, it's been a, it's been a wild journey. You know, I'm not from the industry. I didn't even know that there was fields. I didn't know that a, you could become a, pro, like a semi-professional Dungeons and Dragons player. Like that's a, that's, that's crazy. Th- that still blows me um, away too. <laughs> what, <laughs> um, but I also had that same upstanding t- television writing back in the day. Like I, it, I was like, wait, you can become a professional television writer. Like that same sort of shock was my approach, because I come from a very small town in upstate New York, um, you know, my State whole family. Um, upstate. Where, I we went where to Syracuse. Upst- my I'm from oh, So my family's from Buffalo. Oh, oh no way. My whole yes. family's from Buffalo, Rochester. So you are on our homelands because yes. I'm home Shoney. So you're from where my people are from, which is really exciting. It's a beautiful place. Yeah. Um, Gorgeous. Especially during the fall. Mm-hmm. That area is just stunning. Yep. Um, But if you can imagine growing up there for 20 plus years. uh, Oh, I can. (laughs) Yes. uh, (laughs) This is all pretty hard to wrap your mind around. So um, as I had started to navigate the professional television film space, you know, I had to put a lot of seeds. I had to plant a lot of seeds in order to see them grow. And through a series of hard work and just kind of flailing about in the best I can, uh, but creating a really beautiful network of um, support around me. I think that was the most important thing is, you know, you want, you see these people in the world and you say, how do I eventually, you know, become like them? Or how do I get to do the things that they do? When, when I look back on it, it really is, yes, strive, but the communities you build around you and the people you keep around you, that's where all of that um goodness is going to eventually come from it's it's mm. creating that sort of well of support so now i'm at this point in my career where like last year i went from show to show to show to show i got to rate for netflix the spirit rangers which um i really hope people can check out because that's like the first all native american animation writers room show that's coming out and the talents native everybody involves native it is going to awesome. be revolutionary so wow. please Please check it out uh, if and when. And also last, you know, last year I got to write on like a live action show for the first time in my life. And like all of these are kind of coinciding and it was right at the time that I also got offered a chance to write on a Dungeons and Dragons adventure book. So it was sort of, um, it's like a burden of riches, but in the same, it really is, especially during such a difficult time, I was like very overwhelmed by the the graciousness and the kindness of those reaching out. And, and also, um, in some ways, not just thankful for the opportunities that was given me, but the opportunities that, and the things that are being discussed now on a larger level. I think that is, for me personally, my comfortability level and the door that was opened, it was perfect timing because had you talked to me at the beginning of my career, maybe I would have helped, had felt as secure as I do now to say, this is the stories I want to tell. Um, cause I found myself maybe when I first moved out to LA, I started telling stories, um, really trying to show and prove that I can mimic someone's voice, which is important in television writing to show that you can write for your superiors or the people above you and, and make sure that their show is executed on a high level. Um, but this D D opportunity came at the perfect time in my career because I was like, you know what, there are certain stories I do want to tell that are not other people's stories, but stories for myself or stories to heal or stories of justice and so it was kind of cool to mm. have that all meet
2: yeah <laughs> at that point oh, man. 2020 during was, a pandemic yeah right yeah. I mean that feels like there was <laughs> the world cosmic and, divergence yeah going on yeah, yeah for sure
0: everything yeah mark you were saying that that it was also a good time for you I saw you pointing I, to yourself. Were you saying like, no, "Oh yeah, it, that, that was for me too"? No,
2: it was it, I, that was more like Kelly talking about she had stories she wanted to tell. Like she developed this skill of like mimicking other people, but you know, and I've I've met Kelly and we've spoken, and I know that there are stories that are going to be important to you, and having you having the opportunity to tell the stories that are yours, like that was like I was really I'm really glad that you've gotten a chance to do that because yeah, that's huge. You know, I think that, that that's something that a lot of us get to do we get to work for somebody else we work on somebody else's game we work on somebody else's show we work on under somebody else but there are always things that we ourselves want to put out there into the world and it's you know when you get those opportunities that's an amazing thing and i'm just really glad that kelly you know you got that opportunity to do that so yeah
4: I'm excited you did too with this D&D book of yours in the spot. Yeah. So it's yeah, yeah it's like an extension of you. Very,
2: v- very much so. Uh, I think it, it kind of is interesting in a way because it, it came at a, a period of time where, um you know, I've been, uh, you know, if anybody who follows me on Twitter, especially in the last couple of years will find out, I've been getting really into doing uh, more costume play and stuff like that. And especially cosplaying female characters, which is something where, you know, I've done this a little bit in theater and things like that before. But, Actually, part of this adventure is kind of all about uh, recognizing that there are things that you want to change about yourselves and sometimes you can't, but in a world of magic, maybe you can. And there's definitely a little element of that in there. And there's definitely a little element of me kind of uh, putting some of that in there as well. So it was kind of very nice and therapeutic for me as well. Yeah. Oh, it sounds amazing.
1: And when spas reopen... I'm going to LARP. I'm going to LARP your adventure.
2: <laughs> mm, that would go. be interesting. You, you let me know how that
1: goes, uh, Shelley. Uh, uh, yeah, I can't for sure. wait. I can't wait.
0: <laughs> <laughs> I, feel, I feel like there's stuff in there you're not telling us about on purpose. Uh, that you're like, uh, no, maybe lovely, not, Shelly. Maybe
2: you don't want to lo- do it. Lovely break. Lovely vacation at the day spa, the magic I, day spa. Definitely. What could nothing, go wrong? wrong? What could go wrong? No what monsters wrong? or any bandits.
0: <sighs> nothing like that.
1: No, <laughs> no, not the spas I go to.
0: <laughs> I can't. Now I want to be like, oh, here we found something. Uh, uh, it's a, it's a beholder eye. Uh, do you want us to remove Beauty that for you? The
4: eye. No, and are you saying the next D&D live event is just going to be at a spa with Shelly? <laughs> <Herpes. If> it <laughs> were <works> up <laughs> <laughs> to me,
2: uh, yeah. yeah, yeah, <laughs> at least a little part of it, part of it. That's why, off. I- off. yeah.
4: Yeah, that's
1: why they don't put me in charge of events.
2: <laughs> true. They should. They should. I think out. we pitched that for
0: uh, for part of our event around uh, 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 Icewind Dale. I think I wanted to have like make it a getaway at like some uh, like ski resort and then be like, hey, it'll yeah. have all the accoutrements of a ski resort, including spas <laughs> and saunas and all that stuff, and you know have it all decked out for D and D stuff. That's, that would be have been amazing. my dream. That's great. Yeah.
1: Yeah. <laughs> and then the pandemic. So what are
0: you gonna do? Uh, Sing, Look at this spa.
2: The spin. Oh yeah, Vesta one day eventually. Look we'll at it. Yeah. Um, bar will open. So
1: with so both of you are writers, obviously. Mark, you say you're a fledgling writer, but I think you're a little more than that.
2: Okay. Um, <laughs> Thank you.
1: But I'm curious, because I don't know, I've never written an adventure, but what, what is uh different about writing an adventure or what's the same with the types of writings that you've done before? What what was that process like for you guys?
0: Yeah, go for
4: it. oh I, I was so engaged with Mark uh hearing <laughs> the, the question thrown at Mark that I <laughs> I was just like I'm excited to hear Mark say it. Can oh, you God, no literally I was like 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 watching, I was like, Yeah, yeah. Can you oh. rephrase that Shall I am for me? I'm so sorry. Like
1: really terrible also when we have um multiple guests, especially being totally virtual because I'm like looking at like one of you, but you don't know who I'm looking we at. Don't. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> you don't know where my eyes are. Um <laughs> So just asking because you're both have done a lot of writing and a lot of mediums and a lot of different types of writing. So what is how is adventure writing different? Or maybe it's the same of some of those other types of writings because I have no idea how you would even start this process.
4: I mean, for me, for, like, adventure writing is incredibly different than every single type of writing that I've ever done. Um, I did, like, write some, like, uh, adventure, you know, small things for, like, Xander, uh, uh, who once actually ran uh, one of my games for the Midwestern Moms uh, little show that he did for D&D uh, a couple of years back That was back one now, of yours? Yeah, yeah, that was, I wrote that for him. Um, Wasn't so, La-
1: LaRue was part of, of she, that?
4: She was. She was. Um, it, was a totally, it was a totally different story, but I've always had a little bit of a unicorn agenda. Um, so,
1: <laughs> also, also a, a great have. name for uh, for an adventure, the unicorn or a, ska yeah. band. Or a TV show. <laughs> right. it.
4: Yes, the unicorn agenda <laughs> has been a long time coming. And so, um, with with all of that, you know, I had some experience in that space, but it does take you know, you really do have to sit down and formulate and think about the the beats of where everyone's going to be going. Now, the beats is actually maybe one of the strongest things that translates from the television writing space into the adventure writing space. Um, but in terms of formatting or in terms of storytelling, you have to think in different perspectives with adventure writing. Like, not only do you have to do like kind of like a a bird's eye view, but you have mm-hmm. to do like also, okay, first person perspective and then second person perspective. And then third, like you're, you're just shifting different perspectives and tones in your writing. So you can think player, you can think DM, you have to think world, you have to think storytelling. So it's, it requires um, a, a brain who also enjoys, I would say, the mechanics. So that's why it was really exciting as a DM to implement the the mechanic love that i have against the storytelling love i
0: have yeah cuz yeah. so you have to think about what other like there's no protagonists right so you have to be yeah. like i have to set this up for any number of protagonists who might latch on to different story elements of these beats and make sure that there's stuff in there for them to digest is that is that yeah. is that kind of the the gist of the difference there yeah,
4: yeah. I just was also going to say there was no room for musical numbers in a book.
1: So <laughs> ah,
2: One day that's we'll funny. have a musical themed something around us. You have been talking about a musical D&D thing as long as I have known you, Greg Tio. I think every time I've come on Dragon Talk or like spoken to you in an interview, it's come up. Yeah, <laughs> this one is the one you need to speak to. But yeah, for sure. Yeah, that's um, true. I always I love want it. it. The, the other thing with writing I felt is, is not only do you have like a number of protagonists, but you have all the different player types as well. So when I was coming to mm. sit down, like you have the player who wants to turn up and they want to kill monsters, right? That's the, what they want to do. They want to swing their axe and kill monsters. You have the player who wants to explore and learn. You have the player who's the actor who wants to talk with every NPC and play out their character. You have the person who just wants to sit back and eat chips and take notes and just be part of the social group. And trying to write an adventure where you're not just hitting those narrative beats and you're not just giving the descriptions and the mechanics and the little fun sidebars But trying to keep all of that in mind with the different styles of DM that might be playing, the different types of player that might be playing, that is such a challenge. Like trying to make sure that you're giving them everything they could want, especially when you've only got that one short adventure to do it in. You know, if you've got a whole campaign book, well, you know, maybe one session, one player gets, you know, what they want in it. The next session maybe is a bit more tailored to that player or that type of DM. Whereas in this, it's you've got to hit everybody at once. It's got to be a shotgun, you know, scatter approach to make sure everybody has something fun they can do. Um, that was a real challenge, for sure. Uh, yeah, that sounds awful.
1: Um, <laughs> I'll just stick to writing Bachelor recaps. Um but I'm hearing you there's talk. different
0: bachelor readers, though. <laughs> Shelly, you need to be able to make sure you're getting the ones that just want the fights, you want the ones that want to know about the character, <laughs>
1: right? Do you just want to hear the top view? Do you want me to really dig into like yeah, their exactly. outfits yeah, and the, the, what? They Chris did.
4: Harrison view, yeah, right? Yes.
1: Chris's, Chris's perspective. Um, so here you talk about Mark now. Is do you think that that is true for all adventure writings the way you're describing like thinking about all the different types of players that might interact with your adventure or do you think that you're approaching adventure writing that way because of your DM background because that's very much how you would how a dungeon master might be running a game at a table
2: I think 100%. I think, think 100% that's probably my DM instincts as well as, you know, I have my regular group of players that I have for high rollers. They're all different types. You know, they're the, I know them at the table and I know the one who is really invested in the lore and she wants to know everything about the world. I know the one who just wants to fight stuff and make stupid jokes. And so when I came to sit down, you know, and I've, I've played in games with friends, not on stream, and I've played, you know, with a bunch of other streamers and I, I did think, I guess... You know, I I I'm too much of a people pleaser where I want everyone to like my adventure. So I was just like, everyone must love this. I must try and do something for everyone, and so tried to kind of uh, launch it wide. And I think that yeah, that that whole DMing mentality is definitely going to have an effect uh, and definitely influence that writing for sure. Yeah, um, yeah. I wanted it's, to do something which everybody <laughs> would like. Be like, you know, especially like when the. Master. Well, yeah. And when the topic is a magical day spot, I don't want people to be turned off by it and say like, oh, that sounds boring. Like I wanted there to be that when they arrive, they're like, oh, this is cool. And like, oh, I can do this. And there's something that they can still engage with for sure.
4: I, I would definitely just uh, jump on that and say, I I think very similarly to make sure that everyone has a really great experience. But I was also thinking in the A little bit in the back of my mind because I had to, which was, man, if I was a kid and I wanted to play this, like, (laughs) what do I want, you know, like, and I really did go into a little bit more of like a, you know, just a, I, I did, I did the Pixar take. the four quadrant Pixar tape because I wanted to include and that's a television thing for you four quadrants it's good fun Um, (laughs) but it means that it's accessible to everybody because I really did want to open up those doors and think like okay like what would teens want to play what would kids want to play what would young girls want to play what would uh, women want to play because oftentimes there's a lot of um, story building that's super exciting and there's a lot of action but I was thinking okay like I I am this so how do I kind of put a little edge on that and maybe maybe lean a little lean a little you know that
2: <laughs> absolutely
0: making a lot of yeah. <laughs> and the shoulder is very important as well this yeah. is where
4: the number begins this is yeah, where the Broadway right. never starts where yeah. I can know. see you're it happening adventure
0: writer you're an adventure Gosh, <laughs> we need you to write those <laughs> that book
2: please it's not good <laughs> <laughs> Based on but, your ska dancing, Greg, I want a ska number from you in the D&D musical. Yeah, yeah I know. Well, Your little skanking <laughs> you were doing. Yeah.
0: I always thought, i know not musical at all. I'm a big fan of music, but I don't have any talent. But I could be that guy that dances for the ska band. That's yeah. that's Ba-ra-ba, my contribution. Ba-ra-ba. And you're just there, like, dancing away. I like I'll it. be your hype man, for sure. <laughs> um, so, yeah, I, I, what's also really interesting about these two adventures is that they're short, right? They're can self-contained uh, and that you know that's one of the selling points is that you'll be able to you know pick them up and play them in a session or two, um, but that must have been a different approach for you as writers too because you can have it's like it's like you know uh, short stories are to novels and short films are to longer films and you know a single episode of television versus an entire you know series mm-hmm. of of all these things going on right so what was it like kind of curtailing like all right I'm going to have a beginning a middle and an end that may even happen in two hours uh, Kelly I'll go back to you again since. <laughs>
4: Yeah, I, for me personally, I had to think sort of, uh, linearly as to, um, how, how do you tell a satisfying story that can contribute to somebody else's narrative? Cause this isn't going to be the only thing that's played, you know, maybe there are world, there is a world where someone just wants to pick up a one shot and just run it, you know, for a day or something, or maybe two nights, you know, with friends, um, but I think that on the flip side, you know, you kind of want to think how can this, like Mark was talking about, how, how can you in- allow this to be something that's inserted into a story to enrich in uh, a player's experience or a D- DM's world building or to give context to another adventure that they might want to go off and tell themselves or um maybe help for example if somebody somebody's character is an elf and you want to do like lore work this is another sort of avenue you can do it just opens up the doors for deities and backstories and character discovery um it also implements and allows people to level up it also allows people to uh fight and perhaps get items and get really, really cool things on their journeys. So you can just use it in a more utilitarian way as well. Um, but in terms of writing, you had to think concisely in terms of uh, risk, reward, story, ending, um, adventure, finale. So you kind of had to go through that build and the dichotomy and service it in a concise like every sentence punching and packing in a, a ton of material so you can kind of sink your teeth into it and play.
0: Yeah, that must have been a real challenge, figuring yeah. out
2: what stuff to include
0: and what not to include.
2: <clears throat> right? Yeah. Uh, well, yeah, I my very first draft was 4,000 words over the limit. I, when I first wrote <laughs> it, I, 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 I was nearly 50% over. Because there was just so much I wanted to put into it. And I, I think what I ended up doing... <laughs> Kelly's face is amazing, I know. This is the what? difference between This is the difference between writer who writes for a living and me. Uh, (laughs) I was just like, and then eventually I was like, oh no, I've gone well over. Um, But yeah, what I ended up doing, and I think it's, it's where my adventure maybe is going to be a little bit different is it has a beginning. It has like a, a very clear beginning of how you get to the adventure and everything else. But then it it becomes more of a location and it's the kind of thing where you could play it as a one-shot where everything gets resolved in, in one adventure and I think the DM can definitely run it that way. But it's also a place that I kind of wrote in a way that maybe players go there They maybe just explore it, figure it out, go, oh, this is cool, blah, blah, blah. And then maybe they go back there later on. Maybe they go back there in future and maybe, you know, something's changed. Or maybe they want to go back there and get something that was talked about. Or maybe they don't quite pick up on all the elements of the mystery and are called back to it when something happens. So it was difficult to pen in a really solid kind of like a very final ending to it. It has an ending. It has ways that the problems can be resolved. But those might not happen in the same session that you go to the location. Or Mm. you might stumble into it immediately and then everything kind of like wraps up from there. But it's definitely... It was a big challenge to try and get a full sort of like beginning, middle, end... Um, into that for me personally. I've, I've done a lot of one-shots for streams and, and shows and uh, adventures and things like that and like events and things like that that I've run. And my the hardest thing for me is always containing it to that 2 hours three-hour session because I'm so used to running long-form campaigns. I mean, our High Rollers campaigns were like two years, three years, you know, hundreds of episodes constantly evolving and progressing and things like that. So, you know... It, it was very hard to kind of suddenly come back in and be like, "I've got to get everything into this this one short adventure." So uh, I tried to kind of work around that by making it a place that you don't have to cover in one shot. You could come back to, or it could be part of a longer campaign. It's a cool place to visit with stories attached to it and and stuff that can happen there. I like that. I mm-hmm. like that. You know, and it's. It, I mean, you keep saying it's a, it's an odd.
0: uh adventure because of the day spa setting but i mean it combines so much of the things that i think players maybe not a to themselves that they like which is going shopping and At just 100%. having like you know those downtime <laughs> role-playing sessions uh can sometimes be the most memorable and that's a perfect yeah. place to insert something like this even you know uh three or four sessions ahead of time you're like oh yeah you're walking by the street and you see you know this this location place. yeah yeah, yeah, and you're intrigued and you know, maybe you can have some some hooks there. Yeah.
2: Th- those are some of my favorite episodes to GM and play in and really giving the characters a chance to let their personality show because you know when you're in the middle of a dungeon or a big epic quest sometimes it's very easy to focus on that whereas I think the downtime stuff when you're just in a city and you have a couple of days to spare the players get to make the choices that really showcase who they are and I think that this kind of location is going to be the same same kind of deal as well that's what I'm most excited to see people play it. Uh, do is how their characters all interact with the spar and there's a lot of very interesting npcs that they can meet there and that's my my favorite thing in dnd is always npc pc relations and how people talk to characters and how they respond to them it's it's my absolute favorite thing so that was a big big factor for me too
0: nice and of course yeah. candle keep is a big part of this uh right with the idea that there is a library that holds all of these books that are the the kind of you know through line through each one of their adventures so it's easy to to insert or find out one of these tomes uh, through any type of line. I mean everybody's got a major repository of, of knowledge somewhere in their world or, or or should be if you guys if you don't have that you should get on putting that in your, in your game right now uh, So yeah how much of this uh, is is nostalgic at least on the library side of thing I have a I have a feeling that the two of you were were pretty bookish growing up.
4: <laughs> oh, call me out, why don't you? <laughs> well, oh, I'm calling myself to out, anyone. too. <laughs> I had very few friends, but one of my good friends was the librarian at my local library. I wanted to be Matilda. So I literally went every single day after school. Um, I was, I'm from a small town again. So I had this little elementary school and kids just roamed around because it was the nineties and things were different, I guess. Um, or maybe parents just didn't care. And parental supervision was very lax. So, um, after elementary school, uh, I would, obviously not have any friends to play with. So I would just walk uh, exactly like from the middle elementary school to the high school and right there was the library. So I just spent every single day at the library uh, on end. So I, I love libraries. So the chance to expand on um, that sort of reverence of Candlekeep and maybe the people who went there um, to preserve knowledge or history and have made sure that these books, um, especially the book that I wrote, uh, make sure that it was preserved and safe and, and contained and protected and all that good stuff. It, I love it, obviously. Libraries are great, you guys. They are. I agree. Shout
0: out to libraries.
4: We love Shout your libraries. libraries.
0: Shelly, do you think it's okay to tell people about our love of libraries? Yeah. I do. Go ahead. This was your idea. <laughs>
1: Oh, oh, that like, I'm like, I'm like yeah. God, Greg, why wouldn't we tell yeah, people we love libraries? I was, I was bumping libraries. this up for you. They're like, oh yeah, <laughs> I was, I was, It was
2: the volleyball spike. I could so, see so, you, know, Greg, throwing it I up. And then I was
1: like... Shelly's like, looking
2: uh-huh. why are you throwing Sand? a ball in the Is my
1: mom here? <laughs> Is my mom watching me? Oh, I missed it. Sorry. Um, yes, because we love libraries so much, and we love all of the wonderful authors that were uh, contributing to this book, uh, Candlekeep Mysteries. We are making a very substantial d and d book uh, board game card game resource donation to a library of your choice um, for all of the contributors so um, they will whatever library you choose they 'll know that this is coming on uh, your behalf and that you are a uh, one of the authors in this wonderful uh, newly released d and d book so hopefully when people are able to visit libraries again and they 'll have that front and center and uh, you know, maybe you can even go and and sign a copy or or do an event at your library, and you know, just we just want to be able to like kind of create little candle keeps all over the world. So um, and lots of
0: little Matildas and little yeah. Matildas.
1: I know, what a knowing dream. that knowing <laughs> that there's going to be like little Matilda sitting in those libraries every day, and um, the the library of course is a place where we know lots of people do discover D and D for the first time. So we um, yeah,
0: we included like.
4: Yeah, That's magical. Oh. I, la- I so Hopefully wonderful. they can discover D&D there and then they won't spend hours of time after spending hours at the library going home and staring at a glass of milk and trying to make it move <laughs> with their mind into cereal.
0: Can you pour no. some water in here, please, <laughs> uh, Kelly? While you have a second. Yeah, I was going to say, send it very, very fast. Mm-hmm.
1: <laughs> Come on, it's not working. Back Delicious. to the library you go. Mm-hmm.
0: Yes, but yeah. And we're excited to be able to do that uh, to one uh, in in your home area as well, Mark. I think we were asking about like international. I'm like, yes, we can do it in the UK. Everywhere has libraries.
2: Oh, I'm going to have, the the problem is I have to pick one of the many places that I, I, because I've grown up and lived in so many cities, it's going to be hard to try and pick one now. Uh, That's the hardest thing. Oh,
4: are you talking to the girl who picked out eight different tribal (laughs) reservation libraries? Hey, that's (laughs) awesome. (laughs)
0: Yeah. <laughs> Did you see that little note where it's like, can you just yeah, give me no, a priority list of which ones, ones. you want me to start with? <laughs> mm, yeah. You
1: just and narrow Mark, it down
3: a little
0: bit. And both yeah. of you, luckily we have a randomizing uh, tool in our, in our toolbox, so you can create a list, even just 1d3, yeah. and roll. Greg, and see which based on it. my
2: dice rolling for my games, it's not that random. <laughs> whatever, it, the, whatever the highest digits on the dice, when I'm a DM... I only roll high. (laughs) It's the worst (laughs) thing that my players hate is I just never seem to roll below a 10 when I'm DMing. As a player, Mm -hmm. never above a 10, but as a DM, always 10 or above.
1: (laughs) You got to check the dice you're using. Yeah,
2: I think so. Uh,
1: so. Speaking of DMing. That's why you
0: call the show that. Now I totally get it. Oh Yeah, I'm the only high roller in You're the party. You're the high Everybody roller.
2: Everybody else is a low roller. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Makes sense yeah.
0: now. Uh,
1: will you, or maybe you already have, but w- do you think you'll be dungeon mastering your own adventures? Or is that too weird? Or is that cool? What's that like?
2: I mean, I, I certainly sorry. will be. Uh, I never, no, yeah. I'm
1: looking at you, Mark. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that was like,
2: I don't know who she's talking to do. And Kelly's like, she doesn't look like she's about to say so something. Sorry. So Metaket <laughs> implies I will speak. Uh, yay for pandemics um, and Zoom yay. meetings um, no I, I most certainly will be so I'm going to be I'm going to be running it for a fair few people um, publicly as well as privately uh, so I'm. it looks like I, they may be doing something with the PAX Australia crew there may be a little teaser of my adventure coming out um, for some stuff with those guys oh yeah yeah uh, Comic Relief, um, we're doing this competition that I mentioned earlier. You can win. I'll be DMing it for the prize winner and some friends. Oh, uh, you're going to DM this Castle. Yeah, I'm DMing. Oh,
1: yeah. I'm trying price, to figure out a way to enter that contest. <laughs>
2: <laughs> just have an awesome castle I mean, day just, in the UK. I mean, it's like, an amazing event. Like, do I, I have to... Yeah, I quit think you do have to you do have to quit your job <laughs> and move to the UK, Shelly, I'm afraid. And then but, get
1: rehired after yeah. the event. We'll see. Well,
2: okay. You can see. <laughs> it shady. sounds it's awesome. Shady. But if you ever visit the UK, I do highly recommend Warwick Castle. It's somewhere that as a kid you go to and you're like, This is awesome. It's real D D yes. um, Warwick Castle's
4: so cool. I've been there before during my travels. It's gorgeous. Yeah. Yep. It's I was gorgeous. there in college.
2: I have a, I have one funny story about Warwick Castle, which is when Matt Mercer came over. He used to come over for some conventions, and I would basically be like his liaison, and we, it'd be a chance for us to hang out, basically. Um, and he was obsessed with Warwick Castle because they have a real trebuchet there, and he was like, "I want to go see the trebuchet. I want to see the trebuchet." So we took him on a train, we took him to Warwick Castle, and they do this little tour of the dungeons of Warwick Castle that you can go on. It's kind of like, uh, you know, people are dressed up and they've got mannequins and you know all this kind of stuff in there. The
4: mannequins are a little creepy. I gotta tell you. I have- They are very creepy.
2: Yeah. And one of these mannequins, uh, well, we get into this room. It's this dark tower and they've got these animatronics and mannequins and they're telling this thing. And I'm there kind of like leaning against the wall, just like, "Ah, it's not even that scary. And then one of these mannequins turns around and comes alive because it was a real person, a real woman in a costume. And I jumped about 50 feet in the air. I nearly punched Matt in the back of the head uh, because I was just like, ah! And I just kind of swung. um, And it was a whole mess. Uh, And so that's my fun Warwick Castle story. Well, luckily
0: Um, we'll be able to include that
2: in uh, Van Richten's Guide to Ravenloft. If I, yeah, if I if there was any part of Van Vliet's guide that I'd write for that, it would a hundred percent be uh, some scary mannequin coming to oh, life yeah. as a real woman and terrifying you. Um, but yeah, yeah. so uh, yeah, I'll be running I think the game. There was at a that movie well. about that. Oh, probably. Oh, god. Yeah. <laughs> and I think ever since then, I've had a real problem with mannequins and and acting like humans ever since because that mm-hmm. ugh, made my heart jump. Um, and yeah, and then also Knights of Evening Star will probably be, I will probably be sending the Knights of Evening Star crew oh, cool. uh, to the Temple of the Restful Lily. So you can come and check that out as well. How about you, Kelly?
4: Yeah, for me right now, I am I am waiting to do it at an opportune moment. It's kind of special for me personally, where I'm like, oh, this is a big deal. Like I kind of want to share it or share the first time I run it with uh, probably, probably Girls' Guts Glory, to be honest with you guys, or um, ND&D. Who's the all native group that I've been playing with um, uh, in my own free time, which has been really lovely. Um, I also might want to save it for like kids and a chance to really uh, run it for some from for some up and comers uh, who are really really excited about it. I just love including uh, women and children in it. So that's sort of my hope is when I first run it, it's going to be sort of like a spiritual experience (laughs) Um, because I will sing. I will add the musical numbers and I can't just do that. Yeah. We'll get the angelic chorus.
0: It'll be perfect. Yeah.
4: Yes, uh. and I'm so excited to run it. And I actually am really excited to hear about other people running it. Like, it's, yeah. I'm excited to do it, but I just can't wait to hear how people, yes. like, what, what people do and the choices they make. And that's where I'm sitting on the edge of my seat right now as the storyteller. I'm like, hey.
2: Big same. Big, 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 big same.
4: Yeah, oh, that's got to be exciting.
2: Yeah. I can't wait
0: either. March 16th is weeks. when people will get it in their hands. Mm-hmm. Uh There's two amazing covers. The alt cover... Uh, looks fantastic, uh, as well as the standard cover. I love the image of the art. uh, You know, it kind of looks like my library a little bit here. Uh, (laughs) So I can't wait for more people to uh, jump into your stories, uh, you know, uh, very soon. Gosh, I think, you know, it'll be less than a week away by the time people are listening to this. Yeah, yeah.
4: Crazy. It's going to be amazing. Yeah. So excited. I can't wait to play everybody else's adventures.
2: That's the other thing. I, I want to read everybody else's and play through everybody else's as well. That's a big one. There's so many great adventures in there for sure. Awesome. Well, thank you to the both of you for for
0: contributing, uh, you know, during a hard year like 2020 and working on this as well as, uh, you know, making sure everyone was able to kind of learn about these adventures by talking to us here as well as on all the interviews and things that you're doing. We really appreciate it. And I'm hoping it becomes like an inroads for for more, you know, young people to kind of see how uh, to, you know, get that push to create and make things and, you know, use your imagination uh, all yeah. over the world. So. Thank you, no problem. Thank, Thank you. you, guys. Thank you for having us on
2: to talk about it.
1: Well, you said Thank you want to hear, guys. you want to hear from people who have run your adventures. So, uh, where where can people find you? And I will ask you, Kelly, first. I'm looking <laughs> at you.
4: <laughs> <laughs> okay, so I can feel it. I can feel it uh, like Matilda. Um, so, <laughs> uh, you can find me on Twitter and Instagram at Kelly K-E-L-L-Y-L-Y-N-N-E-D-A-N-G. And that is my handle. Love it. <laughs> Love it.
1: And what about
2: you, Mark? Uh, people can find me uh, mainly on Twitter. I am an absolute Twitter fiend. Uh, you can find me on there. It's at Sherlock underscore Humes. Uh, which is H-U-L-M-E-S. It's Sherlock Holmes, but with a U uh, instead. Um, it's the easiest way to remember it. Or on Instagram, I'm the same username. Um, the other one is you can check out my D&D show, which is High Rollers D&D, which obviously I run, and you can message me on there as much as well and follow that for all of our updates and stuff too. Um, but yeah, Sherlock underscore Humes. Pretty much everywhere on the internet.
1: Beautiful. Well, I'm excited. I'm excited for people to discover the mysteries that <laughs> yes. are within...
0: And you both did a very good job about not spoiling what the mysteries were. So I know. kudos to you. Hard.
1: A real real skill.
0: <laughs>
2: I want people to know what happens. I can't. Wait.
0: They will soon. Soon. Yeah.
2: Whoa. Soon.
0: I adore uh, Kelly Lindy D'Angelo and Mark Humes. They are oh, amazing so folks. And it's just so sad we haven't been able to spend any time in person together over the last year. But man. They're right. That D&D Live 2022 is going to be off the chain.
1: It's going to be crazy. (laughs) So is this year's,
0: by the way. But, you know, once we get all these folks together to be able to embrace and hug with hopefully less uh, uh, nervousness about that, like, it's going to be great.
1: I know. You know what? I'll probably still wear a mask even two years from now. (laughs) <laughs> I got all these cute masks. Like, what am I gonna do with them? I'm Wait till the next pandemic
0: for Van Richten's got to Ravenloft to come out, so be, everybody will just be wearing you kind know, of creepy masks all the time. Oh, now. I do
1: find like uh, masquerade party masks very, very
0: creepy. Oh, that's creeptastic! Yeah, right. Yeah, I don't know if anybody has picked this up, but there is a uh, a mask that has the artwork from the Monster Manual, done by Hydro seventy four that has the face of the Xanathar on the mask. And I find that creepy even when I'm wearing it. I'm like, oh, my God, I got a beholder on my face. And it's like got the eye tentacles and stuff. Mm -hmm. I feel like, uh, you know, you try to smile with your eyes when you see people because you can't smile with your face. And I try to do that when I'm wearing that mask. And people are like, no,
1: don't don't look. Turn away. Look away, away, monster. Monster
4: Monster man.
1: You know, maybe that should give you a little empathy for people who maybe really... Look like beholders.
0: <laughs> it it has given me some empathy for beholder kin. It is true. Yeah. I am now uh, understanding that they're monsters not because of you know that they were dreamed by their <sighs> forebears, uh, I, but because of how people have treated them. I oh, yeah. yeah, I can see that. Or at least maybe it is for some individual beholders out there.
1: I happen to love beholders. I really do. And I don't want to fight them or kill them. I just want to like open maybe like a beholder rescue facility or something that's just like just <laughs> there's something about like their faces that doesn't always read scary to me so much as like, whoa, like, what did I do? Like they're always just kind of like, <laughs> oh, Why'd you run away, guys? You know,
0: just I'm just right here. Give me a hug. <laughs> well, I don't have any arms, but you can hug my mouth,
1: or an eye stalk. and wrap then they eat you. Up. Yeah, I know. I know. It's, right. It's, I feel like it's it won't end well for me with that that kind of philosophy of going into a fight with a beholder. But I just think they're cute. I
0: don't think they're cute, but I do like playing them as uh, lovable goons. Uh, with, like, a little, like, it's like a, I don't know, kind of Joker-esque kind of thing of, like, making them be a little bit crazy. A little yeah. Bit, can... l- a little bit over the top, eccentric.
1: Yep. Yeah, I could see that.
0: But they're yeah. usually, you know, they're happy, go lucky, and then they just will bite your head off uh, and or use an eye stock to disintegrate you. But what other than that, they're
1: it? cool. Aww. Remember the beholder in our office that sometimes we would sit next to in team meetings. Yeah. It was always, it was just always hanging out on the couch. Bulgy. Hey, you guys want to have a meeting? You guys want to order lunch?
0: What Is this you your doing? new voice?
1: <laughs> my beholder voice. Hey, there you go. hey it's kind of like Barney from the Flintstones. Little Barney little rubble. Hey. Fred. Want to go play some D&D? <laughs> was that, good? Uh, that, was that was pretty first, good? That was my first. That was my first. That's my first try, you guys.
0: You That's are not the voice. So. Essentially a vocal talent that has never been able to uh Spread their wings until we Not had this podcast.
1: Matt Mercer intimidated me and <laughs> shut me down. <laughs>
0: <laughs> just by being um, amazing, right? Like just by just having... Be,
1: when he did his Kermit voice, he was like, I oh, know. I think what you're trying to do is this blah, 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 a perfection Kermit. Like, oh, yeah, that was
0: kind of what I was looking for.
1: That's what I thought I sounded like in my <laughs> own head.
0: <laughs> you did in everyone else's head too. Sure, sure. It was great. <laughs> Anyway, long outro means that we had a lot of fun together. Uh, We want you all to tell everyone about Dragon Talk. Spread the word about us spreading the word about Dungeons & Dragons. It's uh, wonderful, and you can get more news and information if you go to DungeonsAndDragons.com. You might notice if you go to uh, WizardsOfTheCoast.com. There is a new uh, corporate website with a whole bunch of new logo everywhere. On animations, it looks great. Uh, if you want to work for Wizards, that's a great place to start. Uh, we're always looking for new and exciting and imaginative people. Um, so, yeah, encourage you to check that website out and apply. If you want to find out what's going on with the next Dungeons & Dragons products, though, what's the best way to do that? Perhaps downloading something on your phone?
1: Yeah, I would download Dragon Plus. <laughs> An amazing resource, magazine, beautiful covers, amazing features, and uh, so much content that is delivered right to your phone. Again, you don't have to look for us. Don't go out there looking. Just let us come to you. Just subscribe to Dragon Plus, subscribe to Dragon Talk, and you will know everything there is to know about D&D. And who doesn't want to know everything about D&D?
0: If you don't want to know everything about D&D, then I don't want to know anything about you. I mean
1: you need to be versed in the D and the D. And also, don't forget, if what Mark told you about his adventure sounds really exciting, you, this weekend, when this podcast airs, it will be this weekend, Virtual Play Weekend, March 12th through the 14th. Try to get in on a table and preview his adventure. We're doing it there. So just go. Nice. You can find out
0: all about that on the website, DungeonsDragons.com or on our Discord server, Dungeons and Dragons. Lots of great folks to be able to uh, answering all of your questions there about jumping into virtual play weekends or just playing dungeons and dragons online whatever you can using yep. whatever platform you want and hopefully in whatever yes. language uh you want as we're in- including more and more uh tables uh during these virtual play weekends that uh, are not in english uh, for those of you who don't use it as your first language so more information about that on the website check it out if you can all right i'm grant Woo! tito you can follow me at Greg Tito on the Twitter or underscore Tito on Instagram.
1: I'm Shelly Moo on Twitter and Instagram. So come hang out.
0: Come hang Lock out and alone. again Say tell hi. everyone about your amazing stuff that you're creating, uh, what it's like to dungeon master these adventures that we're previewing here or in Keep Mysteries if you're listening to this after it comes out and uh hang out with us. Do it. Do All it right. right now. Moving on to Drunky Two-Shoes and her adventures with Daryl. You are outside of a tavern uh, in the dock ward of Waterdeep. Yeah. And getting thirsty. You have, I-, I believe, gone in or decided to go in. Yeah. And uh, um, Daryl says to the barkeep, um, I would like a Arizona iced tea, please.
1: Like an Arizona Long Island Ice Day? <laughs> and What's going on?
0: The barkeep uh, kinda looks at uh both of you as you come in, you know, doesn't he was polishing his uh his glasses uh and you know keeping tabs on the few folks that are in there. Um and uh when he hears that uh term, uh he kind of oh stiffens up straight. Oh I didn't think uh you cat people were going to be involved in this.
1: What do you mean? What and that, Daryl, what's going on?
0: Uh, I believe that means you need to pass a message on to the organization, correct? And, uh, the barkeep responds, Yeah, that's what it means. Have a seat. You got coin? Yeah. Want a drink?
1: Yes. I'll have a big glass of mead.
0: Mead? What do you think this is? I don't know. Some kind of noble den.
1: What do you got?
0: We've got beer and ale.
1: I'll have beer.
0: Good choice. The Thank ale you. doesn't smell very good right now.
1: Keep them coming.
0: And uh he he pours and he's like, "Let me see that. You got a, a dragon?"
1: Is that my ID? What what do you mean? What are you talking about?
0: It's a gold piece. Do you have a gold piece? What do you yeah. just out, off the boat?
1: Yes, actually
0: figures and he puts the the mug in front of you uh and daryl says uh i i would like a drink as well
1: it's a very expensive drink by the way one glass of beer is a whole gold piece
0: you like to haggle don't you uh so yeah he, pour, he pours both of you a drink uh takes your your gold piece uh and he says i'll uh i'll be right back after he he kind of leaves and goes to the back room uh and behind the bar and uh, Daryl says, "Would you just play it cool?" I told you, I, I, have to give a code word so that my contact in the organization can come here and meet us. Why? Oh, why did he call us cat people? That's rude. It's kind of rude, but have you never experienced that?
1: But not, not so overt to my face. Mm-hmm. Daryl, are we? In, are, is this safe? This guy's on. He's on our side.
0: He's uh I'm not sure he's on our side but he's uh you know runs this place that is I've been told by my superiors is uh is a contact area.
1: And, and when is your your contact supposed to meet us?
0: That's what we're hopefully going to find out. Um the barkeep comes back uh and you know he's kind of a portly dude uh you know not not very tall, you know kind of average height uh and uh he says all right I'm not sure when they'll be here, but uh someone should be coming around. Thank you. you. Better not cause any trouble in here.
1: What why would why would you think we would cause trouble?
0: Usually adventurers are, are uh liked here in Waterdeep, but
1: You get a my, lot of uh
0: In my experience they just cause nothing but trouble.
1: Oh no. I'm sorry that you've had such bad experiences. We're not we're not like that. Oh, we're litter
0: mates. No kidding.
1: Yeah, <laughs> no kidding. <laughs> Uh uh you get a lot of pe- Arizona iced tea drinkers in this joint?
0: If you know what uh, I mean. Only ones that are uh involved in the organization. I don't even know what an Arizona iced tea is. Never
1: even heard of Arizona. What a silly name.
0: Sounds elvish.
1: Uh thanks. Thanks for your help. Beer is delicious.
0: No problem. Again, just don't uh don't cause any problems. Have mm-hmm. your meetings. Uh Spend as much coin as you can.
1: We appreciate your hospitality.
0: A couple of uh, minutes pass. Okay. Here. yeah, This will be my die roll. Oh, yeah. 20 minutes pass. I'd roll the All 20. Right. Um, your beer is not very good.
1: Oh, that's a, that's a letdown.
0: <laughs> but it is uh, uh, alcoholic. Uh, and uh, since you have been kind of walking and not eating too much, it does kind of go to your head a little bit.
1: What wrong?
0: Uh, as does with Daryl's, like, oh, I haven't had alcohol in uh, many moons.
1: uh Oh, am I going to be at a disadvantage here?
0: No, uh, no, not at all. I'm just saying that it, you know okay, you you right. feel pleasantly buzzed.
1: Nobody's come in yet.
0: Um, you see a few people kind of come in, and each time you kind of the door the the bell rings or 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 there's a, a, a flurry at the at the door. Um, and then there's a hopeful look from from Daryl, but then they go past uh and or don't make any inroads to you at all uh but then you see a uh a man who's dressed actually quite richly uh stroll in to the bar uh he's got a green kind of waistcoat velvet uh lots of ruffles um uh, roll me a perception check oh a perception check 15 15 okay uh so yeah, at first glance it looks very rich, you know, kind of gold threads, uh a, a hat with a plumage of a of a ostrich feather in it. Um but you realize it's a little rough around the edges. Uh some of mm-hmm. the uh cuff is frayed. Um it looks like there's some dirt uh that's on his backside, uh, you know, on the back of his leg or something that he doesn't even know where is there, uh, perhaps after um, you know, lying in a ditch or something like that. Mm-hmm. Uh and he strides right up to you. Uh, uh, more, more actually to Daryl and he says, ah it's nice to finally make your acquaintance name's Mert hey that's where we'll leave it, we'll see what happens there Mert, the money lender uh, starts <gasps> speaking to you
1: I know that guy Chris Lindsay cosplayed as him
0: that's right, yeah he's a uh, wow. common figure in Waterdeep
1: what has Daryl gotten us into
0: Hopefully you'll find out next week on Dragon Talk.
1: Dragon Talk. Do your voice. Next week.
0: Next week. Next week. Tune in next week. We'll get the debut of Shelly's new voice that she's been mentioning for the last two months. I
1: know. I gotta practice it. I'm out of practice. One I will give you a hint day. though, it is from Teen Titans.
0: Teen Titans go!